0: for us this morning, Proverbs chapter 6 beginning at verse 20 and going through to chapter
1: 727. Can that reference. Thanks, um, there's some stuff in here about listening to your parents, so luckily my parents are not here today. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I'm studying at 620 and then 3 to 727, page 453. Yep. My son, keep your father's command and do not forsake your mother's teaching. Bind them upon your heart forever. Fasten them around your neck. When you walk, they will guide you. When you sleep, they will watch over you. When you awake, they will speak to you. For these commands are a lamp. This teaching is a light. And the corrections of discipline are the way way to life. Keeping you from from the immoral woman with the smooth tongue of the wayward wife. Do not lust in your heart after her beauty, or let her captivate you with her eyes. For the prostitute reduces you to a loaf of bread, and the adulteress preys upon your very life. Can a man scoop fire into his lap without his clothes being burned? Can a man walk on hot coals without his feet being scorched? So is he who sleeps with another man's wife. No one who touches her will go unpunished. Men do not despise a thief if he steals to satisfy his hunger when he is starving. Yet, if he is caught, he must pay sevenfold, though it costs him all the wealth of his house. But a man who commits adultery lacks judgment. Whoever does does so destroys himself. Blows and disgrace are his lot, and his shame will never be wiped away. For jealousy arouses a husband's fury, and he will show no mercy when he takes revenge. He will not accept any compensation. He will refuse the bribe, however great it is. My son, keep my words and store up my commands within you. Keep my commands and you will live. Guard my teachings as the apple of your eye. Bind them on your fingers. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Say to wisdom, you are my sister and call understanding your kinsmen kinsmen sorry and they will keep you from the adulteress and from the wayward wife with her seductive words At the window of my house I looked through looked out through the lattice I saw among the simple I noticed among the young men a youth who lacked judgment He was going down the street near her corner walking along in the direction of her house At twilight as the day was fading as the dark of night set in. Then out came a woman to meet him, dressed like a prostitute and with crafty intent. She is loud and defiant, her feet never stay at home, now in the street, now in the squares, at every corner she lurks. She took hold of him and kissed him, and with brazen face she said, I have fellowship offerings at home, today I fulfilled my vows. So I came out to meet you, and I looked for you, and I found you, I have covered my bed with coloured linens from Egypt. I have perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloes and cinnamon. Come, let's drink deep of love till morning. Let's enjoy ourselves with love. My husband is not at home. He has gone on a long journey. He took his purse filled with money and will not be at home until full moon. With persuasive words she led him astray. She seduced him with her smooth talk. All at once he followed her, like an ox going to the slaughter, like a deer stepping into a noose, till, all, till an arrow pierces his lever, like a bird darting into a square, little knowing what it will cost. little knowing it will cost him his life. Now then, my sons, listen to me, pay attention to what I say. Do not let your heart turn to her ways or stray into her paths. Many are the victims she has brought down. Her slain are a mighty throng. Her house is a highway to the grave, leading down to the chambers of death.
0: Let's pray, shall we? Father, thank you for this passage from Scripture that uh, speaks so clearly of life uh, in this world, uh, both then and now. And Father, we pray that as we Uh, consider your word, that you would uh, convict us of our sin and that you would prepare us so that we would be people who live lives that are honouring to you. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. It was about eight o'clock, eight o'clock one night. Uh, I was uh, working here in my office, just over there to your left, uh, when there was a knock on the church door A man was on the other side. He looked like he was in his mid-40s. I didn't know him, but he didn't look dangerous, so I let him in. Uh, However, he did look alarmed as he told me about the biggest mistake of his life. Uh, His wife and kids had been away for a few days, and so he went out with uh, some of his friends. Uh, There was friends, there was music, there was alcohol... And he finished the night at home with a woman who was not his wife. Now, it's, it's hard to keep secrets like that. And uh, on the night that he came to see me, uh, his wife had just found out. Uh, she was in emotional freefall uh, whilst he was picturing his life as a set of dominoes that were just beginning to tumble. The biggest mistake of my life was how he summed it to me. And he was at that moment uh, just processing in his mind uh, what would be the consequences of his adultery. Although he didn't use the word adultery, in fact hardly anyone uses that word these days, do they? Uh, people talk about having a fling, they talk about having an affair, which sounds a bit more sort of light and fluffy, uh, less uh, judgmental uh, in our society. A society which I might add, since the 1960s sexual revolution, has largely discarded the Bible's teaching on sex and on marriage. The Uh, teaching of the Bible that uh, sex is a gift from God, that uh, it's been given to us uh, for the exclusive expression uh, within the context of marriage. Uh, I've even heard some experts uh, who claim that having a fling or having an affair might actually be a healthy thing for your marriage. That can be a really good thing. It can uh, help uh, introduce a bit of adventure and a bit of spice Uh, into your relationship and help you to appreciate one another just a bit more. Then there's a thing called reality. The biggest mistake of my life, said the man at the church door. Now, it's no wonder that the Seventh Commandment says, you shall not commit adultery. And sometimes we just need to hear it stated bluntly like that, don't we? Just... Just put it out there. Do not, don't, don't do it. Just, just don't. Uh, that's, and yet, that man on that morning, uh, that, when he woke up that, that day, uh, I suspect that he didn't think to himself, you know what, uh, today's the day. T- today, I'm going to plan out my day so that my day finishes with me betraying my wife. I don't think he planned that out, uh, it never happens that way, uh, generally it doesn't happen that way. Uh, a couple of weeks ago you might recall that uh, in our series on wisdom that we saw that the, the difference between Old Testament law and wisdom literature is that the law says do not commit adultery but wisdom actually adds to that by helping us to see uh, what lies ahead or help us, helping us to see around the corner so that we, we don't even get on that path which leads to breaking God's law. Uh, wisdom helps us to, to recognise the, the path which leads us to temptation... And wisdom helps us to consider the consequences if we were to fall to that temptation and to sin. Now, the early chapters of the book of Proverbs deal with this issue in a big way. And in one sense that shouldn't surprise us because of how Proverbs is introduced. As Lachlan rightly pointed out, uh, this is the advice of a father to his son, a father who understands the vulnerabilities and the temptations that young men face, uh, which means uh, that he's able to um, advise his son accordingly. Although it's not just men who are vulnerable, and so as we read through Proverbs, we need Uh, to apply the principles, uh, not only to men, but also to women. But it's written as the advice of a father to his son. There are two sections in Proverbs which deal with adultery. Uh, The main one which we'll look at is chapter 6, verse 20, through to chapter 7, verse 27. But we will also refer to an earlier passage, and that is chapter 5, verses 1 to 23. But Proverbs 6 and 7 outlines firstly some principles uh, which are then secondly uh, illustrated with a case study uh, about a young man and a honey trap. And I guess that we could summarise the, uh, the, this whole section in terms of three points being firstly the, the lure of adultery, uh, secondly the lie of adultery, and thirdly the legacy of adultery and so first of all let's look at the lure of adultery and i want to pick it up at chapter 6 verse 20 uh, which reads my son keep your father's commands and do not forsake your mother's teaching bind them upon your heart forever fasten them around your neck when you walk, they will guide you. When you sleep, they will watch over you. When they wake, when you wake, they will speak to you. For these commands are a lamp. This teaching is a light, and the correction of discipline are the way of life. And so, what he's saying here is that uh, listen carefully and uh, make uh, what I'm saying a part of your life, because. It's going to protect you, it's going to guide you. And it refers to, in verse 24, the immoral woman and the wayward wife with her smooth tongue. And we can see here that this is obviously the advice of a father to his son, it's not the advice of a mother to her daughter. But what is the the advice about the wayward woman? Well, first of all, verse 25, do not lust in your heart after her beauty or let her eyes captivate you. Now, men, uh, it seems to me, are more easily uh, lured by physical attraction. Women are a bit more sophisticated than that. Um, But it's not just the physical attraction, it's the whole charm offensive Uh, In chapter 6, verse 24, um, her her tongue is smooth. Uh, Earlier on in chapter 5, verse 3, it says, and I quote, her lips drip honey and her speech is smoother than oil. And here in verse 25, she captivates you with her eyes. And so there the principles, then in chapter 7, the honey trap is shown for what it is, where the story is told of a gullible young man who, uh, walking down the street, uh, meets a married woman in the street. Uh, It's twilight. She's dressed seductively. And she connects with him. And we're told that she embraces him, that she kisses him, and she flatters him. This is what we see in verse 15, actually, about the flattery. Because, uh, well, in verse 14, she says, I, I have fellowship offerings at home because today I've fulfilled my vows. I don't know what kind of vows they are that she's fulfilled, but there's some thing that she has done. And she goes on to say, so I came out to meet you. Now, she doesn't know this guy. He doesn't know her. But, you know, you're the man. <laughs> you're the man I've been looking for. I looked for you. And I found you. And so she's flattered him. Now, it then goes on to tell us about her bedroom. Um, pick it up in verse 16 I've covered my bed with coloured linens from Egypt, I've perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. Come, let's drink of love till morning. Let's enjoy ourselves with love. Now, how easy is it to impress? I mean, this is a picture which is so, it's so sensual, isn't it? It's so alluring. Uh, this, young, this is not a fair fight. This young man is at a disadvantage, isn't he? Uh, his defences are well and truly down. And then there is the lie of adultery. Because what does adultery promise? A man I ministered to in my previous church, a young guy in his 30s, he had what I would describe as a very blessed lifestyle. He lived in a luxurious home on on acreage. He had a very godly wife, enviable children. But he ditched them all and instead moved in with another lady. He told me that it was a good thing. Uh, He'd been reading books which told him that he had the right to find himself, that he had the right to find his soulmate, and he'd found her in someone who was not his wife. Adultery... um, Promises that life can be better for you. Uh, it promises pleasure, uh, whether it be a, that one-night f- uh, fling or that secret affair or whether you just abandon your husband or wife and kids and shack up with someone else. You need it. You deserve it. And those vows that you once made, do you remember those vows? Forsaking all others as long as you both shall live. Well, that was then, now is now, things are different and God just doesn't understand your circumstances. You know what's best for you. It'll all be good. It promises pleasure, but it's a lie and a trap. Uh, Let's look again at the honey trap in verse 19 where she says to him, uh, My husband is not at home. He has gone on a long journey. He took his purse filled with money and he won't be home until full moon. With persuasive words she led him astray. She seduced him with her smooth talk. All at once he followed her like an ox going to the slaughter, like a deer stepping into a noose. Till an arrow pierces his liver like a bird darting into a snare, little knowing it will cost him his life. Which leads us to the legacy of adultery. Now, um, you notice here in the passage that she promised look, it's all going to be okay. My husband, he's not coming home soon. <laughs> he's gone away on a long trip, he's not coming back. It, it's, it'll all be sweet. He'll never find out. You know there's no guarantees there. There's no guarantees of that. A friend of mine came home from work early one day to find another man in his bedroom. A few days later he was talking to me about it and he said to me, Scott, I can understand fully why a husband might go and buy himself a gun and use it on someone. In Genesis chapters 1 and 2, uh, when God created man and woman, they were united. They were profoundly united um, relationally, emotionally, and physically. So that through their intimacy, children would be conceived and would be born into a, a loving family unit. It's, it's what we call the Bible calls the one flesh. Relationship. It's marriage. One man, one woman together for life, to the exclusion of all others. Uh, that that is the definition of marriage, folks. Uh, there, there is no other definition of marriage. Do not be deceived. An exclusive relationship with an intimacy which both flows from the trust that they have for one another and feeds into and generates and develops an even deeper trust. So the two are united uh, physically, but emotionally and spiritually in, in every sense. The two become one flesh. And that's how God has wired us. And guess what? It works and it's beautiful and it keeps families and it keeps societies together and when that trust is broken, well, it affects us at the deepest level of who we are as persons. Uh, In chapter 6, verse 27 and 28, it says that you're playing with fire. You know, can a man put fire into his lap and not be burnt? Uh, Can a man walk on hot coals without being scorched? And it goes on. Chapter 6, verse 29. So is he who sleeps with another man's wife. No one who touches her will go unpunished. Uh, Men do not despise a thief if he steals to satisfy his hunger when he's starving. You can't necessarily blame a person for that. And yet even so, if he's caught, he's going to have to pay sevenfold, though it costs him all the wealth of his house. But a man who commits adultery, well, that's a different story. He lacks judgment. And whoever does so destroys himself. Blows and disgrace are his lot, and his shame will never be wiped away. Now, the, the blows come from the husband. Uh, but there is also the disgrace, which I'll speak a little bit more on in a few moments. Before I do, one of the benefits of wisdom literature, as I mentioned earlier, is that it helps us to see ahead and it helps us to see around corners. And I think that this is, this is critical in this passage, because in uh, chapter 6, verse 20 to 24, and again also in chapter 7, verses 1 to 5, The father says to his son that these words of wisdom are to be embedded in who you are. They are your life. These are the words that are going to preserve you when you're awake, when you're asleep. This is is to be who you should be. Have a look at chapter 7, verse 2. Guard my teaching, he says, as the apple of your eye. Uh, the apple of your eye, by the way, that's a, it actually means the pupil of your eye. That's where the term comes from. Uh, guard these teachings as you would guard the very thing which gives you sight. Protect it like that. Think about the foolish young man in chapter 7. There he is. It's twilight. He's walking past her house and he's being lured in, isn't he? (laughs) Now, that is not the time for him to be thinking these things through for the first time in his life. The beauty he sees, the flattery he hears, the lips he feels, the aroma that he smells, all of these things are designed for one purpose and one purpose only, and that is to cloud his judgment so that he can't see what's going on. Whereas wisdom means that these are the sorts of things which we will think through in advance before we actually get into that situation so that we don't get into that situation. So that we'll make decisions which means that we will avoid circumstances where uh, our judgement will be impaired and where we will be tempted. Um, And perhaps that might mean uh, placing certain boundaries around the way that we relate to members of the opposite sex. uh, In social contexts and uh, in, in the work environment that there'll be certain people that we'll only see when there are other people around, and so on. We won't find ourselves working back late at the office with the person of the opposite sex who we're attracted to, and so on. We won't be spending time, uh, too much time away from our spouse, and more in the company of other people, and another person in particular. So placing boundaries around relationships. Secondly, uh, we will consider consequences. The, The blows and the disgrace and the shame in verse 33, which will never be wiped away. The first time to think about the consequences is not when you're standing at the door to talk to a minister. The first time to think about the consequences uh, is not when uh, you are about to step into the trap because that's too late. You've already been seduced. The time to think about consequences is when? It's now. It's now. What are the consequences of adultery? let me start by saying uh, something which is not a consequence of adultery. A consequence of adultery is not that you'll have a long-term trusting relationship with the other person. That's not going to happen. Because the relationship is based on betrayal. And even if you do move in with the other person then you'll actually get to see them in the light of day. And you know what? They'll get to see you in the light of day as well. <laughs> uh, those relationships don't work. That's, that's a fallacy. What are the consequences of adultery? Well, firstly, there is the great hurt that you cause to those who are closest to you. Uh, there is the deep loss of trust from your spouse, the loss of respect from your children, the loss of mutual friends. And when divorce occurs, there is the loss of assets. Adultery promises pleasure, but it delivers hurt, loneliness and even poverty. So what does wisdom say? Well. Chapter 7, verse 26 and 27. And I think when we're reading this, we can kind of think of the adulteress as being the personification of adultery as an act. Chapter 27, verse 6. Many are the victims she has brought down. Her slain are a mighty throng. Her house is a highway to the grave leading down to the chambers of death. Get the message? It's not sweet, is it? Now, it's good to know that in advance. This is the point of wisdom literature. You want to know that in advance so that you'll do as Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 where he says flee, flee from sexual immorality. Think about the consequences and it's a no-brainer. Anyone with half a brain would flee from that outcome. Although the Apostle Paul gives another reason to flee. Uh, Don't be deceived, he says, to the Corinthian Christians. And amongst others, he says, because neither the sexually immoral or adulterers will inherit the kingdom of God. That's a consequence. You'll lose your relationship. God will punish you. God punishes the adulterer. It's not just the jealous husband or the social isolation. The greatest consequence is the judgment of God. Sexually immoral, adulterers. But then Paul says to the Corinthians, and that's what some of you were. That's what some of them were. But... You have been washed, but you have been justified, but you have been sanctified in the Lord Jesus Christ. And that would be true amongst us, as those amongst us here who have been involved in sexual immorality of various sorts. And the difference being the forgiveness of God through Christ. Forgiveness for all who truly repent and who trust in him. But the father's advice to the son in Proverbs is not all negative. Now as we finish, uh, just come with me to Proverbs chapter 5 for a moment, where the father contrasts on the one hand adultery uh, with faithfulness on the other hand. And I'm going to pick it up at verse 15. Where he says to the son, drink water from your own cistern, run it water from your own well. Should your springs overflow in the streets, your streams of water in the public squares, let them be yours alone, never to be shared with strangers. May your fountain be blessed, and may you rejoice in the wife of your youth, a loving doe, a graceful deer. May her breasts satisfy you always. May you ever be captivated. By her love. Um, I told Cassie last night that I was going to be reading that passage. She said, you're not going to read that in church are you Scott? And I said, yeah I actually put the put one of those verses on the front page of the bulletin here and (coughs) it's a bit of fun in our friendship and our relationship. Now here the father pictures marriage as being like a, a fountain of water. It's a fountain which is kind of just bubbling over up from the ground and into the streets and so on. And I reckon that's a pretty good image, don't you? Because uh, what, does, uh, what is the result of flowing water? Well, it's, it means life and growth and abundance and, and some would think that this is surprisingly central for the Bible. Uh, you wait for our series on Song of Solomons. <laughs> uh, good stuff there. About 35 years ago, I was groomsman at a wedding of uh, two of my Christian friends. And uh, recently, Cassie and I had uh, dinner with them uh, in their home. Um, they've had their challenges over the years, uh, as most marriages do have. They've had their ups and downs. Uh, but the, uh, the, the fence of marriage has kept them actually working hard at resolving their issues and and growing uh, closer to one another and they they love each other very deeply. Um, The wife shared with us what it's like in her workplace and uh, she was told us about uh, one day uh, that uh, some of her colleagues, they were talking about Uh, flings and affairs and they were talking about it in a positive way Uh, when she said that actually I've never had one uh, they were not only surprised but they also responded to her in a way that made her feel that she was inadequate that she was somehow missing out and not living life to the full. I wonder what they would say to the man who turned up at the church door late that night, or to his wife, who felt like the earth had just opened up and swallowed her. What word of comfort, what word of wisdom would they bring in that situation? There is the lure of adultery, the lie of adultery, the legacy of adultery. And we've got something better, don't we? The wisdom of God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the gift of marriage. And we thank you for your wisdom in creating man and woman to be committed to one another uh, uh, exclusively for life. Father, we pray for those of us who are married here in this congregation uh, that you would give us uh, uh, great wisdom, that we would remain faithful to one another. And for all of us, whether we're married or not, that uh, we would be wise about uh, sexual sin And it's uh, a pathway that leads to it and the consequences. Uh, Lord, that we would uh, avoid those circumstances, that we would resist the temptation, that we would remain pure. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, Next week, we're going to look at um, wisdom and wine as we look at uh, Proverbs and what it says about alcohol.